If you would, open your Bibles with me to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. As you're turning, let me point out in the bulletin, we've got uh, the dates for our Vacation Bible School uh, set up June 2nd through the 4th. I know that's um, a little earlier than we uh, normally have that, but the Lord willing, I'm going to be gone some in uh, later on in the month of June preaching at a conference in Great Falls, Montana. Brother Moose Parks is the pastor. And after that, I've always wanted Janet to see that neck of the woods, so we're going to, Lord willing, spend some time driving around, letting her see that area. So I just, this is, uh, to me, one of the very most important weeks of the year. I did not want to miss it. So we're having a little earlier than than we normally do. But I hope you'll keep that in mind, and it's not too early to start praying for that week that the Lord will bless our children, through the teaching that they hear that week. All right, Psalm 42. I've titled the message this morning, Why is my soul disquieted? I took my title from verse 5, where David says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Now that word disquieted, it means to growl. It means to be turbulent, to rage, and to riot. And the words cast down mean to be brought to despair. Brought to despair. David, his soul is raging and rioting in despair as he writes this psalm. Now I want to preach to us this morning, all of us, right where we live. If you're a believer, you've asked the same question that David asked here. Why is my soul cast down? Why is my soul disquieted? Now, you know what's happening here? David's new man is arguing with his old man. That's what he's, why is my soul disquieted? There's no reason for me to be in despair. Then why am I? You know, we read that to open the service, 2 Corinthians 4. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. David said, I shouldn't be in despair, but I am. (laughs) There's no reason for my soul to be turbulent, raging like the stormy seas. There's no reason for us to feel that way. But now let's just be honest with each other. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. David asked the same question. Look over page Psalm 43. Verse 5. Here's another time. He asked the same question. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? You every believer goes through these times when everything looks and feels spiritually dead. It looks that way, feels that way, even though they're not. There are times that we don't get a sense of the Lord's presence, do we? Now, He's there. I just don't get a sense of His presence. There's times we don't we don't feel a sense of, of the Lord's love and, and care for us. Now, that doesn't mean it's not there. Well, you know it is. But that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. You know, believers have and they enjoy real, genuine salvation, genuine joy, genuine peace, which passes understanding, a a general, just a, a genuine happiness of soul. But at the same time, real believers also feel genuine sorrow, trouble, heartache, darkness, Believers experience both of those extremes. 
So I know how I should feel. I also know how I do feel. And when the way I should feel does not match the way I do feel, that's what makes my soul disquieted. That's what causes this raging, a, a spiritual depression, if you will. Then how I do feel doesn't match how I should feel. And that's just the believer's experience from time to time. John Newton, he was known to be a very positive an upbeat man. This is the man who so confidently and just full of joy. Can't you just see the, the joy that was in him as he was writing amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. Oh, he was saying, grace is going to lead me home. I've just, every step of the way is, you know, brighter as it goes. He just, you know, that's the way he felt that day. He's writing that song. The very same man, another day, broke tis a point I long to know. Often gives me anxious thought. Do I love the Lord or no? Am I His or am I not? When I turn my eyes within, there's the problem when we turn our eyes within. All is dark and vain and wild. Filled with unbelief and sin. Can I even deem myself a child? That's the same man. Same man wrote grace will lead me home. David was feeling the same way when he wrote this song. In verse 1 he says, The heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? David says, I thirst for the Lord. This is not just eh, take it or leave it. I thirst for the Lord. I thirst for his righteousness. I, I thirst for the presence of the Lord. It, and it, it's urgent. It's not just, well, you know, I'll take a little drink. This is an urgent thirst. David says, I thirst for the Lord the same way a deer thirsts after it's been running from hunters for, for a long time. Finally evaded the hunters. And that deer feels like if I don't get a drink right now, I'm going to die right here. I mean, the hunters may as well shot me. I'm going to die right here, right now, if I don't get a drink of water. Well, that's the way David feels. This is urgent. He, he feels like, for whatever reason, he feels like he's banished from the Lord's presence. He, the Lord's not hearing me. I call and the Lord's not hearing me. He says, when am I going to be able to come again and appear before the Lord? When? When am I going to be able to enjoy the Lord's presence again? If I don't get a drink of Christ right now, if I don't get a drink of his mercy, if I don't get a drink of his grace, if I don't get a drink of the waters of life right now, I'm going to die right here. In verse 3, he says, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they say continually unto me, Where is thy God? David says, Just day and night, all I feel is sorrow. I've been waiting for morning to come. Joy comes in the morning. Not for me. Day and night, I'm filled with sorrow. And I know that's wrong. I know I should feel joy in the Lord, but what I do feel is sorrow. I shouldn't feel sad. I shouldn't feel so all alone, but I do. In verse 7, he says, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. David's describing a boat out in the middle of the sea, just wave after wave after wave. It's crashing over it. Those water spouts come up, just scaring you half to death. 
David says, just waves of trouble and sorrow crashing over me. I can't remember the last time I had smooth sailing. That's what he's saying. My mind and my emotions, my spirit, they're just, they're all wore out. They're right at the breaking point because I've been in this sorrow and this turbulent sea, this trouble so long. And, and to make it worse, during this storm, I feel so upset, you know. My enemies are mocking me. Say, where's your God now, David? Huh? David, why ain't God helping you now? Thought you said God was your help. How come God's not helping you now? Thought you said the Lord's your defense. How come He's not defending you now, David? What, David? Where's your faith? Huh? Well, you feel all this, all this, uh, this trouble. Where's your peace? Where's the assurance in the Lord you spoke of before? Where's your faith, David? Why? You wouldn't be so sad if you had some faith. <laughs> David, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Such little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. You know, I know I shouldn't listen to the wicked when they say things like that. But David says, I'm wondering the same thing. I know I shouldn't, but I'm wondering the same thing. Now, I know God's on the throne. I know he's in charge of this. I know this has come by his will and his purpose. I know God sees me. And here he sees everything. He hears it. I know that. But here's my trouble. The loudest enemy shouting, where is now your God? Is my old man. I can't shut him up. I'm getting attacked from within and without. I mean, it's dreadful, isn't it? What a horrible place to be. David says in verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. David said, boy, I remember in times past, I remember going with God's people to the worship service. Oh, you remember that time, David said? That was such a time of joy. That was such a time of, of refreshing and hearing the gospel preached. We're all worshiping God together. Our hearts were as one. There were no problems anywhere. We're just worshiping the Lord together. They said, I remember that. I don't feel it now. I don't feel the joy of that now. I go to the worship service, but it's not thrilling my heart like it did in times past. I mean, no wonder soul's turbulent, right? Because, you know, for the believer, there's no worse feeling than that. To feel like I know the gospel should thrill my heart should thrill my soul, should fill me with peace and confidence and comfort, but it's not. Something's wrong with me. <laughs> I know I shouldn't feel that way, but I do. I do. I don't feel that thrill like I did other times. Now, I believe I know why that is true, why that's the experience of the believer as we go through this world. We all go through different seasons spiritually, summer, winter, spring, fall, and there's just nothing worse than, a, than for a believer than going through a spiritual winter. There's nothing worse than that. You know, physically, people suffer with seasonal affective disorder. It's a chemical depression. I think it's not enough vitamin D or something because you don't get enough sunlight. It affects your brain. And what, what an awful thing to suffer. You know, just to, you, you can't help it. Well, that's what David's describing spiritually here. It's, it's a spiritual winter. 
And it's, we just suffer that from time to time. But it's tough. I mean, that's a tough, tough time. David, he's being honest with us here. Aren't you glad the Spirit moved David to be honest here? If David would just tell us, oh, you know, since since the Lord saved me, since the Lord revealed himself to me, since the Lord showed me his, his gospel, since I've been born again, boy, I mean, everything's just been great. I've never had moments doubt. I've ever, never had moments fear. Nothing's bothered me. Just, just everything's great. Everything's wonderful. I'm smiling all the time, you know. If David said that, how downcast would you be from time, huh? Here, he, though, he, he's being honest with us. Now, this is the tough stuff we're dealing with here. But David also knows the prescription for the problem. And he tells us here, I want to give you five things that will help us when our soul is disquieted within us. Number one is this. When your soul is disquieted, it's raging in you, you can't calm it down. Hope in the Lord. See what David says, verse five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Here's what you do. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now I've told you frequently this word hope, it means expectation. It means to wait and to expect. Expect. Now wait on the Lord. Call out to him and wait on the Lord and expect him to do what he promised to do. He's promised to help his people. Now you call on him and you wait on him. And you expect him to do what he promised to do. God's going to keep his promise. I can assure you of that. Call on God and wait on Expect him to be who he is. He's the sovereign God. He's the savior of his people. He's the comforter of his people. You need comfort? Call on God. And then wait on him to be who he is. The comforter of our souls. Listen, God hadn't changed. God never changes. Isn't that right? Well, God's been merciful in the past. He'll be merciful now too. He'll be merciful. He, he delivered you in the past, hasn't he? He'll deliver you from this too. Hadn't God helped you in the past? He'll help you now too. This is something that uh, I'll just I'll pass on to you that just gives, it's just something that's so, so, so meaningful to me as I go through my everyday life. I know this from reading the word of God and I know it by experience. Now Eric, I know this. God's grace is sufficient. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, whatever it is, God sends your way. I promise you this. His grace will be sufficient. Now I don't want to go through the next trial, the next heartache that do you? I, I mean, you know, I just soon not ever have one of those again. But if we do, this is what calms our disquieted soul. God's going to give grace for it. He's going to give grace for it. He, he will. He, and here's how I know it. He promised. He promised to do it. That's just a, a, a prayer of mine constantly. It's not just, Lord, deliver me. I don't know if he will or not. All right, I mean, it's, some heartache, some sickness, some trial, some difficulty is going to end my life here on earth. I don't know if God's going to deliver me for this or not. I mean, I ask him to. But here's what I can ask him in expectation. Lord, give me grace for it. 
You just wait on him, he will. You can expect it because he promised to. See, part of David's trouble here is he's thirsting for the Lord. You thirst for something that's not in, that you don't have. It's not in you. That's why we thirst for water because it's, it's our body's way of telling us you're getting dehydrated. You take a drink of water. David's thirsting for the Lord. Well, you know, if you're hungry and you're thirsting after the Lord, are you listening to me? Call on Him. Call on Him. And then wait on Him to come. Wait on Him to come. Now I know there's not, there's not a more miserable feeling in this world than hungering and thirsting after the Lord. And you can't find Him. I know there's nothing more miserable than that. Oh, I hate it. It's miserable. But you know that miserable feeling is also a blessing? It is. It's a blessing. I tell you what, there's trouble for somebody when they don't thirst after the Lord. If you're thirsting after the Lord, as miserable as that might be, that's a blessing from God. Because you know the only person who hungers and thirsts after God? The only one. It's the new man that's been born of God. Desiring God, desiring His salvation, desiring His mercy, desiring His grace, desiring His presence. Only the new man desires that. The old man don't want that. But the new man does. And I'm telling you, if you're hungering and thirsting after the Lord, He's going to fill you. That won't last forever. I promise you. Now Frank, how can you be so sure? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed, not cursed, not judged, not those under trial. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. They shall be. Not maybe, they shall be. That's a promise from God Almighty. Now you wait on him and you can expect him to keep his promise. That's not presumption. You can expect God to keep his promise. Wait on him. Keep calling on him and wait on him. If you hunger and thirst after him, he will fill you. All right, number two, when your soul is disquieted within you. Let's remember some things. Verse six, back in Psalm 41. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me Therefore, because I'm cast down, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Now, we are in this spiritual wilderness or winter. You're just in spiritual depression. Your soul is raging within you. Tell you what to do. Go back to the beginning. Go back to those ABCs of the gospel. That God first taught you when he revealed himself to you. You know, a lot of times, you know why we get ourselves and find ourselves in trouble? We've overcomplicated things. Let's just go back to the beginning. And let's recite the ABCs again. Isn't that what Jacob kept doing? Jacob, all his life long, after, after the Lord revealed himself to him at Bethel, Jacob kept going back to Bethel. Going back to Bethel. Things, things would, would get all in uproar. 
Jacob would go back to Bethel. This is the place God first made that promise to me. He kept going back there, didn't he? Remember. I tell you, go back and remember. The Lord's merciful to sinners. Now you remember that. There's no question. That's the ABCs of the gospel. Salvation's in God's mercy. You remember that. And then remember this. The Lord's merciful today too, just like he was then. Go back and remember. Where were you when God found you? Where were you when you first heard the gospel? When you, I mean, when you first heard it and believed it. Where were you when you first trusted Christ? When he first revealed himself to you, where were you? Well, look where God's brought you now. Now, do you reckon after God's brought you this far, he's going to leave you now? No. No, he's not going to do it. I'll never leave nor forsake my people. He, you just remember God's faithfulness to his people. Go back and remember all of God's tender mercies. They're tender mercies. They're given in such tenderness and compassion. God's tender mercies are a fountain that never runs dry. Go back and remember all of God's precious promises. We've talked about several of them. My grace is sufficient for thee. That's a promise. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a promise. That's a promise. Go back and hang on to those promises. Hang on to them for all your worth. And then remember this. He's faithful to promised. That tends to quiet me right down, don't you? And while you're remembering some things, while you're remembering the sweetness of the gospel, and maybe you don't feel it today like you did in times past. But you remember, don't you? You remember the sweetness of it. You know, this is a mighty good thing to ask. Lord, remember me. Remember me. That dying thief on the cross had one request. Just one. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what the Lord said to that poor man? Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I'm going to be like that brother and call out the same prayer. Lord, remember me. Remember me. You'll hear the same promise from the Savior. I know you will. Then third is this. When your soul is disquieted within you, Trust in the Lord's sovereign love for his people. In verse 8, David says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer under the God of my life. I'll tell you, trust in the Lord's loving kindness. That's God's goodness to his people. His tender love for his people. You know, when the Lord first showed you, his loving kindness, his tenderness, his compassion. Like that poor leper we looked at this morning came to the Lord. The Lord's moved with compassion for him. That's his tender, loving care. Weren't you so thrilled? Oh, that just thrilled your soul, didn't you? Thrilled you. He showed you before that, before he showed you his loving kindness, what did he show you first? He showed you you deserve God's hatred. 
You deserve God's wrath for your sin. But instead of giving you that wrath, he showed you his eternal love for his people, even though you don't deserve it. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting, that love started long before you came on the scene. I love you because who I am. I love you because I'm gracious. to I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. That, that's why you're, you come thirsting after me. I've drawn you to me. Now, I know sometimes it feels like, this is one of the reasons we should never trust our feelings. It feels like God doesn't love me anymore. Well, if God doesn't love me anymore, that must mean I've done something bad, so I better do something good to get God to start loving me again. See, we start trusting our feelings, we follow man's logic and end up completely upside down, don't we? We don't ever deserve God's love. (laughs) Ever. Don't ever look in yourself to try to find reasons God would love you because they're not there. That's what Newton said. When I look inside myself, everything's dark and wild and stormy, you know. Look to Christ to find reasons that God loves you. Oh, God loves you. That's why he sent his son to die for you. I said that just right. Christ didn't die for you to make God love you. Christ came to die for you because God loved you. Because he already loved you. See, that's God's character. Now think on that. Think on him, not yourself. And those stormy seas will start to calm down, won't they? You know, God's loving kindness to his people. It's just like everything about God. It's sovereign. God's love to his people is sovereign love. It's the love that David says here, God commands to his people. He commands it. Now you can trust God's sovereign command will be done. It will be. God's commanded his love to his people. Therefore, nothing can separate his people from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate it because God's commanded that love to his people. Our Savior is the sovereign Savior. His will is always done. He commands, and it's so. Well, he has commanded the salvation of his people. He's commanded the preservation of his people. He's commanded the glorification of his people. Is anything going to stop it? Not one. And that what Nebuchadnezzar learned? None can stay your hand. They're saying to you, what are you doing? Almighty God has commanded the salvation of a sinner like me. I've never heard anything more amazing in my life. But since God's commanded it, I can't do something to lose it. Because God's commanded it. That salvation in Christ, because of God's commandment, that brings joy to the hearts of God's people in the darkest of days. I'm not saying suddenly everything's going to be roses and sunshine. What I'm saying is even in the darkness, even in the turbulence, you'll find joy in your soul. Trust in Christ. See, it's true. David here talks about about night, day or night. Day or night. It doesn't matter if it's there where I can see it or it's in the nighttime where I can't see it. It's still there. It's still true. It's still God's promise. God has commanded his love to his people. Then why should I be disquieted? Why should everything be get all in a, in a big fuss? 
Everything's all right if God loves me, isn't it? If he set his love upon me, why am I making such a fuss? Think on him. Remember him. Remember his loving kindness. His sovereign loving kindness. Everything else just starts getting in perspective, doesn't it? All right, number four. When your soul is disquieted within you, tell you what to do. Trust in the Lord, your rock. David says in verse nine, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You know, David feels like the Lord's forgotten him. See all, see all this problem is our feelings, isn't it? He feels like the Lord's forgotten him, but he hadn't. But even though David feels that way, he still calls on the Lord, his rock. He calls on the rock of his foundation. He calls upon the rock that defends his people. He calls on the rock, our hiding place. And boy, our rock is not like other rocks. Our Savior, our God is not like other gods, little g. Our rock will never fail us. He'll never fail his people. Because he never fails. He shall not fail nor be discouraged, Isaiah said. And our rock will never change. He will never move. Well, if I'm established on Christ the rock, then the waves of the storm, they're going to blow and howl, but they can't move me either. Not if I'm founded on Christ the rock. Now, if you're trusting in your own strength, if you start looking at your own strength, how am I going to survive this storm? What am I going to do to survive this storm? Your soul is going to be disquieted, isn't it? Because you're not going to find any peace. But if you're trusting in Christ the rock, you'll never perish. And you'll find peace for your soul. And if you're hiding in Christ the rock, the enemy can't touch you. Now, you'll hear them, but they can't touch you. They'll be there. They're still there, but they can't touch you. In verse 10 says, David says, as with a sword of my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where's your God, David? Now we hear that. We hear that, don't we? And there's nobody that likes suffering. There's nobody that likes persecution. There's nobody that likes slander from our enemies. Nobody likes that. And I'll tell you the believer who he especially hates Hollering like this. It's that old man. That old man. Just saying, where's your faith? Where's your faith? That old man, you see what he's doing? He's doing what he always does. He's trying to get us to look to ourselves and look away from Christ. That's exactly what he's doing. David, where's your faith? Where's your faith? But you know, like I said earlier, the only people who are suffering attack from that old man, the only people is a new man who's been born of God. And I know we hate that feeling. We hate that feeling of persecution and, and slander. But you know what? Really and truly, that's a blessing from God. Let me show you that. And look at Matthew chapter 5 again. Matthew 5, verse 10. It 
Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those people suffering that persecution for righteousness sake. Now not because I'm a horse's hind end. Now we're not talking about that. We're talking about for righteousness sake. Those people, the kingdom of heaven itself is theirs. They have a right to it. They have a right. They have a right to be there. They've, they've been born of God. They've been made naturalized citizens of heaven. Now, if your citizenship is in the kingdom of God, what do you got to worry about? See, thinking, thinking that, that calms our heart, doesn't it? And then last thing is this. When your soul is disquieted within you, remember this. The Lord's your health. Verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He's the health of my con- of, of my countenance. David started out feeling so low. He feels like the Lord's forgotten him. He said, that feeling is so strong. I know it's wrong, but that's what I feel. But yet God has promised, I'll never leave nor forsake my people. Well, then I know if that's God's promise, I know it's wrong for me to feel forsaken. I know that feeling is wrong because that, that's, that's the promise of God. And that's why I say don't trust your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. You know, you can, uh, you can feel healthy. I mean, you feel like nothing's wrong. And you go to your doctor for, for an annual, you know, checkup. I'm just going to get a couple of prescriptions. You're renewed, have my blood pressure taken, be on my way. Nothing's wrong. I'm healthy as a horse. And you find out you're not. You find out there's something in you you didn't know was there. You find out you're not healthy. But I sure feel healthy. You can go to the doctor feeling mighty bad. And your doctor tell you, ain't nothing wrong with you. I went to my doctor recently and told him, I feel bad. I mean, I just feel bad. There's got to be something wrong with me. And he already knew, you know, I had this, this uh, prostate cancer. But he said, other than that, there's nothing wrong with you. He said, get out there and exercise. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you. Just you know, get out there and go. I feel like something, but there isn't. I feel great. Something's wrong. The same thing is true spiritually. Our spiritual health is not determined by how we feel. Our spiritual health is not seen in how well we act. Our spiritual health is Christ the Savior. And as he is, so are we in this world. Now since that's true, how's your spiritual health? Huh? Perfect. Perfect. Perfect righteousness, because Christ is my righteousness. Perfect sanctification, because Christ is my holiness. Perfect acceptance with God because I'm accepted in the beloved. Perfect health. Now my countenance is not going to be full of joy when I look at myself. When I look at myself, I'm going to, my soul is going to be disquieted. But if I look at Christ, now I have joy. That's a good reason to have joy. My, everything will just calm down just a little bit.
Look to Christ. Look to Christ for everything that you need. I don't. I don't uh, want to make myself the story at all. But I I close with this illustration because it's something that occurred to me this week. I got laid down on a table this week and run in and out of this great big old machine, taking a scan of my body. Now I'd been reading this text, and I thought, now I don't know what this scan is going to show. It's going to show something bad. I just don't know how much bad stuff you know it's going to show. And it occurred to me, spiritually speaking, what if Christ, my Savior, was scanned for me? Chris, he was. The all-seeing eye of God that sees right to the heart of man was scanned for me. And you know what God, in his holy, strict justice, that has to call everything exactly the way it is. You know what he said? You're righteous. (laughs) You're whole. Not in you. In the beloved. Well, that's where I want to be found. And if we're found in Him, what do you got to fear? That just settles that old soul right down, doesn't it? I hope that'll be a blessing to you. Father, how we thank You for Your Word. How we thank You, how You dealt so honestly with fathers of old. That we see that they're just like us, in ourselves, we're so weak and faulty, full of sin and failure and deadness. There's no hope to be found in us. But what joy, what confidence we have in trusting Christ our Savior. How we thank you that righteousness, our righteousness is Him. That our cleansing is in Him, that our acceptance is in Him, that our holiness is in Him, that you don't look to us to supply anything that you require, but it's all in Him. Father, we know we should always have perfect faith, perfect confidence, perfect calmness, perfect peace. But Father, you know what we are. You know our flesh. You know that we're dust. And we beg your forgiveness for the times when we don't trust you like we should. We don't look to you like we should. We beg your forgiveness forever looking for any sign of of life and hope and peace in ourselves. And Father, when we do, I pray you draw us back to Bethel. That you draw us back to you, those ABCs of the gospel. That you'd comfort our hearts with Christ the Savior. We know we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it any more than we deserve for you to die for us in the first place. But Father, by your mercy and grace, would you keep drawing us back to Christ? Keep us looking to him and depending upon him. Father, it's in Christ's name. For his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.